When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for your local tyre power. Save on Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. Buy three, get one free at Tyre Power. Ah, yes indeed. Hello everyone. Welcome to The Rabbit Hole, episode four. Tim Watson, Gary Lyon, uh, going down a rabbit hole, not sure where it's going to take us, although... We do have some indication today because we're going to talk about um, life post-footy or during our footy careers when we're trying to work out maybe where we could go career-wise, uh, what other options are available to us. We'll have a chat about whether they were successful or not as the uh, as the show unfolds. Gay Whispers. Uh, good uh, day to you, Gary. Yes, there were a lot of twists and turns, weren't there, post-footy, as we tried to work out exactly which road we'd go down. Business opportunities, like people say, yeah, marketing, and you've got to tap into your network. Yep. You know, there's lots of those things going yep. around. I was, I was thinking about before. The first thing I, so I'd finished school and then went and did a um, studied finance for all of three months. Right, it wasn't whereabouts? At Deakin Uni. Right. And then I just sat around waiting for my dream job to land on my lap, which would have been a sales rep because sales reps. That was the best job you could get. With a car. With a car. Mm. And an expense account. In the sports industry. Yes. So I wanted to be a sales rep for Nike or a sales rep for Adidas. That's all I wanted to do. So I just sat and waited and waited. And then the football club was going, you got to do some work. You know, you you can't just sit on your Mm. ass all day. I said, oh, yeah, well, I've got irons in the fire. In the meantime, (laughs) in the the meantime, (laughs) Rod Grinter, who was one of my very, and remains one of my very good mates, Mm. he had a lawn mowing around. He said, why don't you come do... Mow some lawns with me. Mm. So I did that for about, I don't know, three months. You too. Yeah. Oh, you did as well. <laughs> we bought, Tomo and I, Michael Thompson, who I played footy with at Essen, we bought a, um, because our my accountant at the time, he said that another one of his clients, a guy by the name of Les Smith. Now, do you know who Les Smith might have been? No. Pete Smith's father. You know Pete Smith, the yeah. voiceover yeah, man at Channel 9? Yeah. Les, his father had a mowing round and a little landscape business that he was trying to sell. So we bought his Nissan Ute, um, two old Victor mowers, his shovels, his rakes, and his mattocks for three and a half thousand dollars. He certainly got he, what he, a he got a hold of you. <laughs> he did. And so Tom and I set ourselves up and we started uh, landscaping Tompkin Homes. Remember Tompkin Homes? Yeah. yeah, I think they're still going. Well, you had the contract. We got the contract through Les, which wasn't really a contract. But anyway, we started to... Do all that. And uh, Les said, look, I'll teach you how to landscape. So he turned up on a site one day, hung around for half an hour and said, there you go, boys. <laughs> you're, you're landscaper. <laughs> Architects now, away you go. So that was how we got introduced to that. The the mowers uh, lasted about a week and uh, the ute had uh, had very little suspension. <laughs> hadn't been serviced for about 15 years and uh, lasted about six months. You were more high-powered than us. We oh, were, we, we were, were set up. We, we were, were strictly lawnmowers. Uh, balls and I. In fact, balls was the main lawnmower. Right. I was sort of a support. You would have been the sale. You would have been head of sales. I did. Yeah. In, yeah, I did. In fact, in the end, you'd had these 
people going, oh, can you give me advice? You know, should I plant something under the shade? And mm. I, I just made it up. Of course you did. Just made it up. <laughs> and I didn't last long because the, the labour side of it was a bit much. Did, that, you ever, did you ever audition for anything um, while you were still deciding? Because you're a very good media performer and you've proven to be over a long period of time. But did you ever audition for other shows that were presented to you or whatever? Yeah. No, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about today's show yet. Ah, I'm, um, I'm talking about yeah, like offers that came sort of from yes, left field. Yes, I did. And what were they? These two hot girls, older than me, right. I was like 19. They would have been in their mid 20s. Said, "We want you to come and do some photos for a modelling uh, gig. You know, get your a portfolio. A portfolio. A portfolio. Was yeah. that after your Men for All Seasons calendar no, shot? Earlier than I that. think it was. No, it wasn't. So I go, yeah, 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 and. I had to pay three hundred and fifty, three fifty to get the photos. What for your modelling shots? Three fifty. Where? Where did you go? Somewhere out in Northcote. And like, right, what a, did you have to wear though? Did you? I did had a couple get, of looks. Did speedos or no speedos? But right. I had different looks. Right. And embarrassing. Like one was out on this sort of like on the on a deck. On a block where I had to give the sultry look. You know. right. Anyway, I tell you where they would have got the sultry look from though, because you had that look. In the AFL men for all seasons. I don't think I've done yeah. the men for all seasons. I think you might have because did you did you, it as well. You, I didn't. No, I did not. I did not didn't do you? that. No, you didn't make it. No, I didn't make the cut. Well, who, who got it? You me? had the. Uh, you had that look. I remember seeing that photo. <laughs> Girls, I'm open for business. <laughs> <laughs> that was. That was the look. I don't know where you got it from. Girls, but you, I'm open for business. Girls, was that I'm the open, look was it? That was your look. They would have seen that and they would have thought, okay, this bloke is just perfect for a modelling career. Three fifty. So where did that go? I had to hand over three fifty sheets. Cash? That was a lot of money back then. It was a lot of money back in the never day. Never saw them again. <laughs> I never saw these two women. I never saw a photo. I didn't see anything. I'd pay, that, I'd pay more than three fifty right now to get hold of that. That, those modelling shots. I ran in. I didn't run. I saw these two women you know, who clearly just ripped me off and saw me coming, mm. and I was too scared and embarrassed to go up and say, "Hey, where's me photos?" <laughs> so I just walked off. So when did you give up on your modelling career? Not long after. <laughs> Not long after that. You, of course, uh, had. Men. I auditioned for a couple of things. What did you audition for? Well, because you you got you told the story on our first rabbit hole how you got poached. Did that no, that was you yeah. played off. You played Kerry Stokes off. That's Ian right. Johnson. That's right. But then after that, I think I was still working. It must have I, I, actually. I don't know where it fit in the timeline, but I went on um, the Late Show one oh, night yeah. with a Degeneration. Yeah, that and, was you were very well received. Yes, yes, you're quite right. <laughs> very well received. And I got a call on the Monday or the Tuesday after that went to air on a Saturday night from an agency. And they said that I should arrive at an address in South Melbourne at about 12.30 on a Monday or, or when it might have been later in – no, it might have been the next week. Sort of agency. Um, sort of male massage style stuff. An advertising agency. Oh. Yeah, they said, look, we would like you to audition for an ad, an international ad. Oh. I, thought, I, thought, I thought I had the job. When they said audition – You were that confident. Well, I just thought, thought you, that you thought you had an inter- I thought they were only ringing the wisp. They weren't ringing anybody else. <laughs> they were just ringing the wisp. You had an international And I said, campaign. do I have do I said do I have to bring anything? And they said, "Yes, can you bring a like a navy blue truck trucky singlet?" And I thought, "Okay, well this sounds a little bit odd." So I turned up at this address in South Melbourne, and there was a long line of blokes, like 
like all male model looking type blokes. Like all Travis Fimmel style. Yes, and I had to sit there and wait in the waiting room and then they come to the door, uh, Tim Watson, I had to put my blue singlet on. I had to sit in a chair in the middle of the room and pretend I had my arm out the window of a truck. <laughs> what was it for? And yeah, doing a little bit of, I don't know, it was supposed to be some international international ad uh, anyway, I didn't. I didn't get the job. I did not get the job. Surprising, you didn't nail that. <laughs> well, I thought I nailed it at the time, After but I didn't get a call. Stuff. I didn't get a call. And the other thing I auditioned for, you remember that uh, that TV show, Man O oh Man, when they had to push somebody into the pool. I do. My teammate Andy Lovell, I think, may have won it. Right. Okay. I I auditioned for the role there. What of? The host. You didn't get that either. No, no I didn't. <laughs> who was it? Uh, Larry. Who, no, it wasn't Larry. It was um, Rob someone. Did he end up hosting uh, that? You know who I'm talking about. Don't Elliot. No. Rob Elliot. No, it wasn't Rob Elliot. It was some other guy who uh, had a long career in the game. He was very, very good at it. Very, very good. Hang on. Who? Rob Guest. Rob Guest it was, yes. Rob you, Guest. You got yeah. nutted by Rob Guest. By Guest, he, uh, he nutted me. So, um, are you, you, you're a natural at uh, the media stuff, and you oh, always no. have been. I remember, in fact, I remember Steve Price. Some people will know who Steve Price is. He was at AW at the time, and he said that uh, he has rarely seen anybody come along who is such a natural <laughs> yeah. as what you were. And exactly he said you had like a, a, a clock in your head for radio, which meant that you could get in and out at the right time and all that type of thing. He's very complimentary of mm. you. But I've noticed over your career, when I've looked back at your career, you sort of, <laughs> You you sort of digressed a bit, and not you much. wanted you wanted to you wanted to go into other areas no, outside sport. No, I did not. That is that is is, is that not true? Not true. A hundred percent not true. Okay, I want to set something up here because this is back in two thousand and three. Okay, this was probably the big. It was definitely the biggest story of two thousand and three. Happened. Yeah, happened very late Maybe in the, the year. Century. Very late in the year. This story. And this is how the world was delivered the news of the capture of Saddam Hussein. Yesterday, United States military forces captured Saddam Hussein alive. The hunt for Saddam Hussein is over. U.S. military show off the proof of his dramatic capture. We'll bring you the latest dramatic developments. We're live in Baghdad. Coalition forces are holding the former Iraqi leader in an undisclosed location. He is said to be cooperative with them. It was a successful end for Operation Red Dawn, a late night raid near Saddam Hussein's hometown of Tikrit. Well, after Saddam Hussein was captured, he was taken to a high security detention center. That's how England and right across America, that's how they were delivered the news of the capture of Saddam Hussein. Who did we turn to here in Australia? How did we learn the news? Have a listen. Good morning, boys and girls, and welcome again to the Coca-Cola AFL squadron. Oh, unfair. Very nice work. Unfair. <laughs> I... Oh, All the way back, this is this is 2003, and I kid you not, I never watched the Today Show. I must have been watching because I had read in the paper over the weekend that you would be hosting the Today Show. It wouldn't have been near the paper. It what? was kept very secret. It was late in the year, yes? I've broken into a cold sweat. I know you have. Listening I can see that. you. 2003 in December, it was. Right. So did you have your did you have your eye on being the host of the Today Show? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's what I was after from the time. Who I was, was hosting up until then? I think it may have been was Steve. 
Was it Steve Lieberman and uh, Tracy Grimshaw? That, they were big, weren't they? They I, were massive. I don't know for certain. Maybe in 2003 okay. they were. So you got a call up All from right. Channel 9? You, I'll give you the whole thing because the, the, the f- fallout and ramifications were almost career-threatening. Oh, well, we'll go into that post the story. So I think I'm doing the Sunday footy show, maybe hosting the Sunday footy show, maybe. And With ma- Sam and? Yeah, BT and, and Spud. Right, okay. And Bill and all those. No. Maybe did any given Sunday would have been a panel member on right. the footy show. Okay. So that would have been my life. So maybe Kerry Packer is sitting back on a Sunday watching this and thinks, okay, this, <laughs> this young bloke has no. got some serious talent. David Gingell, who you know. I don't know David. Well, well, you know of him, yeah. who's the head of Channel 9. You know him and Paddy Rafter, don't you? Of course. Yes. You bumped into them up on uh, Byron Bay there. So and, I do remember. Did you go surfing with them or did you just bump into them? <laughs> <in the laughs> <cabin? laughs> no, I just bumped into them. As clear as day, he, he rang, David Gingell rang. Ginge, you call it. Very personable man yes. and a great fellow. Mm. He said, listen, we've got, we're coming into the Christmas break. He said, why don't you come up to Sydney and do the Today Show with Sharon uh, Sharon Gadella, who yep. was the newsreader. At Channel 7 now in Brisbane. Yeah, and Dickie Wilkins will be there as well. Big did you Dick. Know, did you know Dickie at no, this stage? No, I did not. I didn't know Dick at all. But <sighs> I'm going, I said to him, Oh, no, 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 I don't think I'm, I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. He said, listen. I, can, hey, can I just pull you up there? Yeah. I don't think you said I'm not ready no, for that. No, 100% shit. I did. On, on my kid's life. Okay. Of course, I had no aspirations. But they would have flown you up there business or first oh, class. Hang on, yes. I'll get to it. Okay. Well, right. want, and I said, no, no, look. And he goes, look, it's Christmas. It's the festive season. The show, I'm not sure whether you've been watching the show, but it is all very, very low key. Light. light. Yeah. He said, we'll be doing the best presents where you get your Christmas tree cut, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Stuff and, in your wheelhouse. Yeah, good experience. You know, we might get one of your mates from the footy show to have a chat and, you know, it'll be good experience. I go, oh, right, if that's the case, then no one will be watching. So fair enough. So I fly up on Sunday for the for the Monday. Yeah. And 1A? I, yes. Got put into a very nice hotel. Where did you stay? Down on the rocks, down Sydney Rocks. Overlooking the harbour there. Yes, down Beautiful. there. Yeah. Nice. A, a suite. Thank you, Tim. I like detail. <laughs> I know you do. And I'm nervous, right? Right. Because I, I'm, honestly, I'm an absolute amateur still. Right. From a, and, and many people. Yeah. You're out of your comfort zone. 100%. I went up for a walk around Sydney. I didn't know the Sydney people right. that well. I went for a walk and then on. Anyone recognise you? No, you not one person. So I had dinner and then I went to bed and I thought, I've got to, the car was picking me up at three o'clock. Where'd you have dinner? Did you call room service or did you go <laughs> room, to a room? Okay. Room service. Okay. The car's picking me up at three. Three in the morning? Yes. Yeah, so I go. Three I'm, in the morning? Tim, it's not breakfast radio, it's breakfast television. Right. I went to bed I, I, and I turned the TV on, I was watching a movie and it was getting about nine nine thirty. and I thought, I've got to go to sleep here. And this is without a word of a lie, the ticker along the bottom of the show I was watching Breaking news, breaking news, yeah. news flash, news flash. And I'm half asleep and I'm looking and I go, Saddam Hussein captured, you know, the biggest <laughs> story of the century. Tune in tomorrow morning to the Today Show for the very latest. And I went, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm looking. And you know, this, this stuff goes through your mind. Yeah. Like, I'm nervous about talking about Christmas trees. Yeah. The biggest story of the century is just broken. Mm. I go, it's one of the footy shows. Sam Newman rang up the hotel and said, you couldn't put this on Gary Lyons' TV, could you? <laughs> Is that what you thought? hundred percent I did. <laughs> I thought they're just taking the piss. So I rang, I think it was Darren Wick. I think. 
And I just rang yeah. the producer, the contact. Yeah. He's the boss of news up there in yeah, Sydney? Yeah. Well, show. We, the Today Show. Today Show, right. I ring him straight away. And he goes, Wixie? Yeah, Wicker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going, Gary, it's Gary here. I don't know. Is this true? He goes, oh, it's unbelievable. How, what about the news? You know, stuff going on. He would have been in there. I said, oh, no, it's big. I said, well, clearly I won't come in tomorrow. You have Ray Martin or, you know, mm. Steve back or something. He goes, no, no, that's all happening. I'll see you at three. Hung up. End of the conversation. Hung up. Right. So what does Garrity do now? Well, don't sleep for a start. Did oh. you start to – was Google around in those no, days? I don't think no. so. I him, I you could... would have been thinking about doing a little bit of research not on Saddam. All. No, <laughs> not one – not for one Well, you don't go to there thinking, I'm going to wing this in the morning. No, I just thought I'll get in there. Yeah. I'll sit in the background. Right. And maybe at 10 to 7 they'll go, oh, Gary's here. Yeah. What's happening in sport or something? Oh, okay. I walked in at 3 o'clock and it is like going nuts. People everywhere, producer, I don't know anyone. I don't know. I don't know where the makeup room is. Yep. I walk into the makeup room and they said, Oh, yeah, Gary, sit down here. And they start doing the makeup. Next minute, one of the, the girls comes in and just goes, Bang. Drop the wad of paper like a, you know, the, a, a, a reef of paper. Right, right. I said, What is that? She goes, That's your, that's your uh, auto cue stuff. That's all your ins and outs and your intros. <laughs> I'm looking at going, Why, what? Not your research. I've never taken an auto cue in my life. Who did they think they were dealing with? I don't know. I don't know, Tim. Anyway, Sharon. So did you read through? Did you have to read through that? Of course, then? I did. Yeah. So you wish Shazza. Sharon, so did you ask Shazza whether no, or not she was all worded head, up? Or? She was run. She. I'd never met her in my life. No, lovely um, lady, by the way. Great lady, and becoming a very good friend. Anyway, I walk out. Buzzing people, buzzing around. Da, 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 da. Sharon sitting there. Dickie's over here. I'm sitting here. Next minute. About six bikes walk past. Go out of the road, get out of the road. Turn around, Johnny. Johnny who? Johnny, Johnny Farnham. Not Johnny Farnham. No, not Johnny Farnham. Johnny Howard, the Prime Minister. I'm thinking. What's he doing Shit, there? I'm not in. I'm not going to John, am I? Thankfully, Sharon. Get out of here. Anyway, Tim. The honestly, the thing started. Sharon Ganella. I'm trying to get the actual. I've got some friends chasing it down. She interviews John Howard. The biggest stories going right. around, and then. As my recollection is, now get, we, we cross to uh, Gary Lyon, who's with uh, Australia's head of counterterrorism. <laughs> That's a bit that I tune into. <laughs> and I'm in there going, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, yes, hello. Uh, <laughs> did you put on... Did I you, put did, on a bit... Did you put on your serious business news voice or I put not? on my Saddam voice. I said, <laughs> Commander General, great news, we've got him. Or something like that. <laughs> something like that. I can't... I don't remember. That's right, Gary. Oh, 600, we stormed the rabbit hole in... Jesus <laughs> Christ. Anyway. The... Did you break out in a sweat? Oh, I was... The, the three hours, I can't even know what happened. I watched a little bit of it. I couldn't watch the three hours because I felt... I felt for you. Not that we were great friends back then, but I just felt uncomfortable for you because of the situation you'd been placed in. So at what stage during the morning did you start to feel comfortable? About four weeks afterwards <laughs> when I left. I likened it to the, I said to this yesterday, the head of the Phil, Australian Philharmonic Orchestra, right. they said to him, listen, why don't you go down to Melbourne and do the footy show? <laughs> it's all low key. They're going mm. to talk a bit of music. You'll mm. be right. And then he comes out on the day that EJ Witten passed away or something. And then he had to do, that's what I was like. Right. So 
I got to the end of it, and David Gingell's there, and I just looked at him and said, mate, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, what about that? I, got that. I, I said, I'm not coming back. <laughs> That's enough for me. I limped through the rest of the week, and that was the end of it, Tim. But I tell you what, I've never felt so nervous nor out of place in my life, and was, nor will I ever again. Was that the most uncomfortable you ever felt in a TV environment, in a situation? I can't – I honestly, I can't imagine what it would have been like for you. I've done no – next right. to no media. No. Next to no host. I've hosted the Sunday no. footy show with Brian Taylor. Had you ever? <laughs> And Danny Frawley, the biggest story of the century breaks was Saddam Hussein, and I've got to interview some folks. You'd done some big interviews on the AFL Squadron show, yeah, Oh, well, I had up to that stage. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So the feedback was good. Well, the, the feedback wasn't necessarily good because I have done a little bit of research. Oh, have you, have you okay, so these this is like two articles that appeared after that performance, right? Yes. And I lo- I'm loath to bring this up. No, you're not. You're, I, I, you're that excited. You can't wait to bring I'm loath to bring this up because it's very cutting what they've had to say. Meanwhile, this is from one publication. Meanwhile, back on the TV set, <laughs> Lyon has certainly had a baptism of fire. We're told he came off set on Monday after dealing with Saddam Hussein and announced to everyone in earshot, if they catch Bin Laden tomorrow, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Way, that's funny. That's no, a that's no, a that's, that's a nice light how to take, <laughs> and that's the truth. And then uh, this obviously stuck in the mind of somebody for a long time. So the Saddam Hussein capture yeah. and that week that you were on TV with that report was in two thousand and three. Yes, this is from an article in the Age in two thousand and six. For his part, Lyon's disastrous stint as the host of the Today Show. <laughs> <laughs> he floundered as one of the biggest stories of the year. Oh, no, Sherlock. Ca- capture <laughs> unfolded on his first day, proved that outside of sport, he's perhaps out of his depth. Yeah. What about Is that? Is that why you were never invited back on the Today what Show? What about that miserable <laughs> Verona? <laughs> hey? Instead of going, oh, this poor bastard that hosts the Sunday footy show got stuck on the day, he, he goes, oh, no, it was a disaster. No, <laughs> It was a disaster. Um, that is absolutely true. So no, I never. So was that the end of your uh, Today Show career? What happened at the end of the week? I went home, and they never invited you back. No, I did. I went back and did. Um, I did some sport AFL there for a long time, just as just weekly crosses. But it was, it was one of those things where you just it could not have been worse. No, could it? it could not have been worse, Tim. You get you and doing radio and. Yeah, we have people that come in mm. and uh, first mm. days in on footy or Fox or whatever, mm. and you know, they're nervous and that sort of stuff. But you're li- you're living in your area of <laughs> not I wouldn't say expertise, but relative expertise in football. It's not something you can fudge though either. Like there are a lot of things you and I do on on radio and other things that we've done, whereby when you don't know a lot about something, there are little <laughs> things you can go to and work your way okay. around. And let's play some. Uh, let's just play. <laughs> just for a stop for a second, right? If you're listening to this, what would you ask the Executive General Brigadoon Brigadier of Counterterrorism when Saddam Hussein? What would be your first couple of questions? Well, my first question would have been, how long have you been tracking him? And how close did you think you were to capturing him? Right. Which clearly you didn't ask on the day. <laughs> that would have been a good first question for Probably, you. Probably. In hindsight, might have been a good one, yep. 
I think and I was, not, it's not like, you know, the other part to all well, this. I, hey, what, my, my what form, was your first question to him? I think, well done, you got him or something like that. <laughs> 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 my fallback in most of these situations yeah. is to laugh and take yeah. the piss or That's find right. some humour. And some fun. Yeah. Some fun. Yeah. Like, uh, These guys were very serious, weren't they? I remember watching that very serious <laughs> bloke come on the show. I was, I was going to crack one, a yeah. joke with Johnny, but I thought, no, that's probably not appropriate either. What was Dickie doing while all this was happening? Was, was he just I running he around? Was, doing the, uh, was the, he laughing the, off the, to the side? The or? top five songs from, um, <laughs> from ABBA at the start <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> oh, that's the other bit about, yeah, you just touched on that. And that is that, uh, yeah, like when you go to a break in TV, you know, like to an ad break or you go to a break in radio, yeah. it's a really good time to get to know somebody that you might be interviewing. Yeah, you can have that conversation back and forth and that type of thing. But clearly you and uh, Brigadier, whoever it was, or the bloke in charge of counterterrorism in Australia, you didn't have a lot in common. Did you feel he, like you and he weren't necessarily no, going to be the sorts of blokes that might go out to at all. a pub at the weekend? I felt like he respected <laughs> he respected me, the bigger the bigger deer. What? Not sure Dickie did. <laughs> Why'd he call you Jeff then? <laughs> no. What about that's right, Gary. What about the Prime Minister? Did you and he have to have a conversation on that particular morning or no, not? No, I did not. Um no, he was um Sharon, Sharon Gadala interviewed him and from memory did a much better job than I would have. <laughs> so that was it. I don't know whether you've been in as, in as... I've never had a situation like that. Out of your comfort zone as much as that was, but um, that was it. And an old dickhead who wrote that th- report, he made out like I was... His name's not dickhead. I was way. desperate there to go and host the Today Show and, and it failed miserably. Well, can we track him down? I might have a chat with him at some stage. We should get him on at some point. Yeah, no, that'd be good. Maybe see whether or not he wants to retract anything that yeah. he wrote on that particular occasion. Unlike him, I'm still just around the edges of the media. I think he's long gone and writing for some um, trash. Well, obscure publication. Uh, some obscure <laughs> online piece, maybe. Well, that is a big You're listening to The Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson. For tyre power, store-wide super sale now on with 25% off on selected Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. Welcome back. Just stop sweating after that story. I've enjoyed reliving it and the critique of it. So uh, it's been good, I think, for bringing it up. Oh, I'm happy to uh, talk about that any time. I know you're right? happy. I know you're happy. You haven't, you haven't stopped smiling since we got here. Is there is there a job in the media that you haven't covered that you'd like to cover at some stage? Is there something that sort of you see as sort of like the pinnacle of Garrity's career that you need to conquer? No. No? <laughs> no. I did. You and I don't like talking about this because you get a bit touchy. But I doubt it. I was at the Super Bowl. Three, two years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. in Atlanta and did the show from the media row, they call it there. That was as big an eye opener. Did our show, our yes, radio show. Yes, That was as big as eye opener as I've had in media, just to see that on that scale. It's yep. basically, it was basically like the exhibition buildings here in Melbourne, full of media from around the world mm. to commentate on one game of footy. And then there was like stages set up for the big, big, big dogs, like the big radio shows were, and television shows were hosted by, you know, all the Americans. And then every other person with an accreditation just set up there on a, on a trestle table with their equipment and away you, away you went. You but, were mingling with some of the biggest names in American sport, weren't you? Well, that's what happens is that, well, I'm on air, so I can't walk. And, but as people walk past, the producers would just grab people. 
and say, hey, um, can't come and talk to Australian radio, could you? And some stopped and some didn't. It was unbelievable. It was extraordinary. You actually, I, I, I'm just remembering that, you actually spoke to, who was the world boxing champion at the time, the heavyweight champion? Deontay Wilder. Was that his name? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you spoke to him. Sat down. Yep. He sat, like, he just was walking past. He had... He had more gold chains than Mr. T. Right. He's about six foot four. You're on you're on air with me. No, I was talking, yeah. That's but right. yeah, so I was I'd back say here. I couldn't see you. Got a special guest here and you go, oh, yeah, who have you got now? I go, World Boxing Heavyweight Champion Dante Wilder joins us. Nice surprise for you. You would have been oh, Carity's done it again. <laughs> He's got another scoop. I tell you what worked for you though, you being able to tell them that you were the guy on Australian television back in two thousand and three that broke <laughs> the story about Saddam Hussein. I mean that that helped you, didn't it? Yeah. No, it did. He, this, I'm remembering Deontay Wilder, he had a catch cry called the Bomb Squad or something. And that, unbeknownst to me, he would yell out at the top of his voice, Bomb Squad. So I'm doing the interview with you. And then he goes, <laughs> at the top of his voice, he yells out, Bomb Squad. The whole joint stopped. The guards started looking at him. He just laughed it off. So he was there. Um, Jerry, uh, um, Deion Sanders yep. was there. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. One of the big name players. Did a walk and talk with him. You did a walk and talk, did you? I did a walk and talk with right. him. Because he was trying to get away from you. Is that why you did the walk Probably. and talk? Probably. Oh, mate, that he's ear bitten off by Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. Evander Holyfield. Yeah, I had a chat with him. He wasn't on our show, though, was he? You didn't, didn't talk, want to, talk to him on to the wispy shit. <laughs> but I had, a, I had a photo taken with him. I was like a kid in a candy store. Um, are you happy? That's a big question, but are you happy all the time well, after or reliving that uh, 2002? <laughs> no, I'm, I am happy. I haven't always been happy, but happy. I'm very in a very good place now, as they say. I'm happy, happy, yeah. You? Because I listened to a podcast the other day, Rich Roll podcast. Rich Roll, who does this podcast broad, uh, broadly speaking, right across the globe. And he had this guest on by the name of Arthur C. Brooks, who's a social scientist, has written books, all that sort of stuff. Oh, He's you talking spoke about, about this briefly yeah, on our radio Yes, show. I did. Uh, he was just sort of talking about, you know, like this pursuit of happiness and how happy we need to be mm-hmm. or how happy we can be or how often we are happy. Like, we all think that we should be happy all the time, oh, but yeah. then well, it's not necessarily the case, is it? Like, you're not happy all the time. I'm not happy all the time. But every now and then we break out into sort of happiness, and something that we do or something that you say makes me feel happy. And I'm sure that something I say makes you feel happy occasionally too. It's coming back to me now. It was a real <laughs> Debbie Downer style setup that you went with. No, isn't your default position happy? Isn't No. 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 What, you, you, what's your, where's no, your default? No, no but well, what, what what's your default emotion? My, well, what he's saying, okay, what he's saying, well, not what I'm, what, well, not what I'm what saying. What talking about. He's saying that. Uh, happiness comes from pain. So you actually experience pain and then after that you're happy. It's like the um, dopamine, you know, like, yeah, running. You're going on a run still for 10K, okay? Mm-hmm. It's hard and you're running in the forest out the back of your joint and it's raining and all the rest of it and you're struggling to breathe and then you get to the end of it and then yeah. you think, oh, wow, I feel happy. Oh, I feel great after doing that. That's but, what he's saying. Well, he's saying then you can't be happy unless you accomplish something. Well, it sort of, it can be encompassed in the same thing. You think about the happy moments you have in life. I, I said to you this morning, right, when I, when I, when I make a pizza dough, right? Well, say it's I hard, make, is it? Well, it's not, it's not hard. Mm. It can be. There's a bit of work involved. But I get to the point where it, 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 it sat for a while. It's risen. 
I've picked it up again. I've applied a little bit more flour to it. I've got it in my hand. I'm shaping it into the right shape to put it out onto the board, to put it into the pizza oven. And I think to myself, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> I could not be happier than what I am right that's now. That's a shallow acknowledgement that's, no, of no, happiness. No, that's not shallow. Well, compare it. No, that's deep no, that, okay. because the What's simple the simple oh, things right. in life can make okay. you happy. So and if you can it, find those simple moments in your life by doing something like. superficial happiness. If you compare But it, all happiness is superficial. No, no. Well, okay. So you compare that to the knock on the door. Hmm. Open, Where are you going with this? Open it and there's. Wolf and your grandkids. Yeah, I'm happy too to see them. That's a different happiness to making a pizza, though. I would imagine. Yeah, but I, that's an unbridled, warm your heart. But both, you haven't done anything. You've just but, sat there and looked. <laughs> but, you haven't, haven't moulded them. Yeah, both things. Nothing. <laughs> two, two zip to Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Next. But both things have made you happy. Well, one's an accomplishment. Yeah, but it's a moment. The moment of opening the door and seeing them. I'm happy. I may not stay – when they start messing up the joint no, no. and they start painting the walls <laughs> with their dirty, grimy fingers, I'm yeah. not necessarily so happy anymore. Yeah, so it was yeah. fleeting. It's changed now. There's some pain associated with it. And then I say goodbye to them and I'm happy again. People so, worry too much about what people say or think about them. Is what I would imagine is the source of a lot of unhappiness. That's true. Yeah. Th- that is true. But the other thing he did say, oh, and I think you want to write I've this already, down. I think you I've want to write – beaten him. Secret to being more satisfied, okay, which can be happy, is not having more, but it's wanting less. So the secret to being more satisfied is not having more, but wanting less. Ask the bloke who's got anything. You go and buy yourself a new Kubota tractor, right, for your farm or whatever it might be. Yes. That that makes you happy, right? right, it did. (laughs) For a moment, right? Yeah. And then you've got your attachment on the back of your Kubota tractor, which is a Molsha, right? That's right. And then you want to take the mulcher off, and you want to put something else because you've got no, all these I other don't. you've got all these other attachments, and them. you can't work out how to take off. Now you're unhappy, no. even though you were happy, you got the Kubota tractor in the first place. Then I ring Ian, my neighbour, <laughs> and he comes and does it for me. Then I'm really happy. What makes you happy though? Like a moment of happiness, the thing, a simple pleasure that makes you happy. Is it sitting down watching cricket, or what? What is it that makes you happy? Any time I'm with my my boys, yeah. One's in the room. That's right. But they make. I don't. I don't live. I don't live with them. And then the bill comes for the meal. Then and I'm then what then happens? I'm unhappy. <laughs> I, you know, the happiest place is when I'm on my, my little small acreage. I'm allowed to call it farm. Somebody there you go. me. Yeah. And I've got the mower. I've got the headset on. I'm listening to the rabbit hole or something. And I'm happy, satisfied. You know, my partner's there. Kids might be coming down. Are you happy when because you are you've started doing a little bit of cooking, you know, in in what recent time? Started. You've well, been you, cooking for a long time. You used to do yeah one recipe, which was <laughs> your three shank soup, right? Now you've expl- you've explored and you've expanded your repertoire. Do you think does that help- make you happy or not? Yeah, I love cooking, but do you think we're helping anyone arrive at the of, of who are listening to this going? Oh yeah, I can resonate. That'll make I can now. Rationalise stuff and that'll help my happiness. Well, I think here's the point though, oh, good. and this good. will this will help people. Good, this will help people because my looking at me going, "Where's this going?" My late great father-in-law, he would always say that you need to have a project. Like, so you've got to have a yeah. project, and it doesn't matter how big or small it might be. You just need to have a project. Yeah. Now, your project might be to perfect you. You and I exchange text messages and photos all the time about your pizza dough and stuff like that, and I give you some advice about how you're going about it and whether it's looking right and 
that's your, that's like a little project for you at the moment, being able to perfect that. Very little. <laughs> that's a very little project. That wasn't, when Give you me said, a big project. When you said you got a project, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm building a house. That's, well, you're building a house. That's but, a project. But you're not building. Making pizza dough. You're which, not building the house, though. The thing that makes you happy is making pizza dough. But... <laughs> So you're missing the point here. I don't know why I'm going. I, I don't know why I'm going down a rabbit hole with you because yeah. I should be going down a rabbit hole with somebody that understands what I'm talking well, about. Well, I like it. You're not building the house. Yes, I am. No, you're built? paying for the building of the house. That's a different thing. Well, that's semantics. No, it's not. No, it's not. You, you, I'm, a, I'm you enabling that house you, to be built. You will get pleasure out of the house once you're in it after you've built it for a period of time. And then you'll start looking around. You say, oh, God, I've got to repaint the house and I've got to redo the gutter. And all of a sudden you're starting to feel a little bit of pain. And then you've got to find something that makes Gary pleasure again. So you've got to find something that makes you happy. <laughs> Are you happy, Tim? I'm, look, I'm happy most well, of the time. Well, your default position's not happy, though. You... My default, I don't have a default position. I'm happy most of the time because what? I have a little project going most of oh, the time. Making pizza dough. I'll tell you what makes me happy. Pizza going d- going down to our, our little property down in Gippsland, which is just a tiny little place down there, hopping in the gator and yes. going for a drive across the top of the hill in the long grass, looking down beside the gator and seeing Brando just running alongside with a big smile on his face and his ears flapping in the wind. That makes me happy too. I start crying. Would you say Brando's <laughs> an ugly dog? No. Wouldn't you? My dog, off. in all honesty. He's not. He's not a he's not a good looking dog. If he had his under <laughs> if he had his undercarriage intact, he would be the perfect dog. I've is, had people who have pulled me up on the street no. and said, That is the most handsome dog I've ever seen. Next week on the rabbit hole we might talk dogs. Because he, he's got some his eyes scare me a bit. In what way? Brando. They look like he looks like he's been on the sauce all night. Oh, well, they're red. red. They're, they're yeah. sort of reddish like and bloodshotty. Looks like a devil. No, he doesn't. Red eyes. He's got these red looking at you. Big ears. It, 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 well, he's got big ears. Yeah. He's a scent dog, but yeah. he also he also is a very very like he's all like all dogs. He's very loyal, but uh, he sheds a lot of hair. If there's one thing that is not great about him, he's a hair shedder. Right. A bit might... like yourself. I, jump, <laughs> I jumped into the pool after you at Byron Bay, and I got to say, it was very difficult to move from one side oh. of the pool to the other. You are a shedder. It's old stereotype. <laughs> you don't mind. <laughs> you said the MCG surface. Was a disgrace, and that we wouldn't have uh, AFL football on it. I said, after Ed Sheeran. I said, that, and I, I haven't finished yet. Okay, and are you? Because you led the way on Monday. Mm. No one picked it up in the newsroom, but in especially your newsroom, mm. and it was front page of the paper the next day. Yeah, I was disappointed in that. How disappointed were you? Very disappointed. And what do you do when you're disappointed? I go back into work later today. Yes, and I get those people who I'm disappointed in, and I tell them. Because that's what you should do. That's the art of communication. Do you want to name names? The failed producer. That's his name. He knows who he is. <laughs> if you want more detail, it's Luke Schneider. Ja- is his name. <laughs> <laughs> what, who's this, um, who's this uh, character, Ja, ja Morant? Ja Morant. Yeah. He plays basketball in the NBA for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. What's he, got, what's he rolling with a gun? What's he rolling with a piece for? Because he sees himself as a part-time gangster. I well, think. he should be playing basketball, should Well, he? he should because he's one of the best players in the world. Oh, so it's all right to carry a gun if you're the best player. No, no, no. It's all right to carry a gun if you're in America. I don't know if you read the news, but you're allowed to carry a gun if you're over Not there. Not if some kid beats you in backyard basketball. No, you shouldn't pull your gun out there and wave <laughs> it around. <laughs> Is that you're going to shoot him? No, you're quite right. <laughs> I tell you, I'm, yeah, like, yeah, sometimes you need to shine a light, don't you, on 
things, particularly if they're associated with another country and people sort of just accept these things as being everyday things. The NBA gave him a two-game penalty. Why? For waving a, g- a gun, waving a gun around in a video in a nightclub. They gave him a two-game penalty, which doesn't even amount to a week. Probably it might be it might be two days. Right. He's suspended for effectively. But as you said, you're allowed to carry a gun, eh? Yeah, I know, but just how ridiculous is it that you can carry a gun, you can have a gun in a nightclub? Stupid. Anyway, that's very I'm just serious. I'm just wrapping up the podcast. I know with you news. might be asking me very serious questions. With news of the week, um, the Dolphins. You, I wanted to talk about this at much more length mm. through the week, but you weren't interested. That was an amazing victory for this new team that come up and beats the Sydney Roosters on the weekend. Yeah, amazing. No, it's amazing. But why I would do you ra- want to talk about? It? Oh, because Don't you like Wayne Bennett? No, Wayne's okay. You but like rugby? I like rugby. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of rugby. Like you're not a massive fan of rugby. Yes, I am. But I would rather talk about the fact that Cam Munster had a compound fracture of the finger, wrapped it up and kept playing. Yeah. Why is that more why is that more significant than the Dolphins getting a team from scratch inside four hundred and fifty days, coming out and beating the oldest rugby league club in No, I'm not saying that's more significant. I'm saying that it interested me. What's the worst injury you had that you came back on and played with? Because I watched a video the other day mm. where you had a sore ankle. Um, and you went off mm. against Melbourne. Came back on. It did. Yep. And? You lost. You, we, Melbourne came from behind seven goals down and won. I got that finger. See that finger there that's got a little bit of a bump in it? I yeah. got that caught in a jumper one night. That was the most painful injury I ever had. Nasty. That's how painful finger injuries are. What about you? You went off with a – did you Did you get a compound fracture of your leg or not? Everything but. Everything but. Everything but. A compound fracture. That's when the bone pierces the skin. That's right. Did uh, you get that or not? No, I did not. I just had a double break of the bones. Right. Enough to get a warrant of a stretcher off or not. Is there is there any vision of that? <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's time to talk farming for Kubota. For over 40 years, Kubota's been making tomorrow matter. Shaping and building Australia together. We're going to do our farming segment. Have we done it? I thought we did it before when we talked about Kubota. I was talking to you about uh, your attachments on your tractor. Yeah. So th- th- I've got the sheep from next door, Ian's place, right. that just come in free range. So I leave yeah. the gate open. They can wander in and out any time. Right. Right. Because you've got better grass than he has or? Well, once they've grazed they, on his. Okay. They've got enough here. Okay. And I'm, and you, so your next question, are you happy for them to do that? Okay. Are you happy for Ian's sheep to graze on your property? Yes, because Ian's sheep man then will do a run of my boundary fence to make sure all the fences are intact so the sheep can't get out. Right. They're dorpers, though, aren't they? Yeah. Dorpers are well known for their ability to be able to break down fences and or just burrow under underneath. fences. Yeah. And the more they go underneath, they leave a little bit mm. more, uh, f- uh, I was going to say fur, they it's leave wool. a little bit more wool, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more wool, and yeah. then they t- it wraps around the fences. Yes. And, it, and and you get a bit of an issue. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a farming segment for right. Kubota. Together we are shaping and building. <laughs> you know, if you get them to jump over your fence, you know what you're going to end up with, don't you? What? Something that you'll be able to wear in the wintertime. A woolly jumper. Yes. Bang. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you, and I don't, it's, it's been consistent with you since I've known you. Mm-hmm. And Anyway, it's a podcast, so I'll ask you, what, what is your infatuation, infatuation with SBS movies? No, 
That's incorrect. I don't have. What do you mean, though? I don't have a fatuation with SBS movies. No, not a fatuation. I like foreign films. I like foreign films. Infatuation. No, infatuation. I don't because I like foreign films. And I started watching foreign films for this reason because you get the subtitles. The news. And I'm a little bit deaf. And that was the best way that I could actually hear by reading what the dialogue was. Do you understand what I'm saying? No. Anyway, I discovered, by doing that, I discovered that there are a lot of great foreign films that have better story. You like the blockbuster. You watch stuff. a lot of you like, yeah, I know, but you like I think the, you watch it for the nude scenes. I, 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 well, I'm glad you asked me that question because <laughs> there is a story in the, during the week that I saw the death of the sex scene in movies, right? Well, and yeah. I, have, I have said this to you, it's haven't I? finish you off. <laughs> I have said this to you. I often go and make a cup of tea when I think they're about to jump into bed and do all that stuff what? because I am not one bit interested in that part of the you film. Are so... Because the film has gone I know what they're going to do, right? Okay. So I don't need to see it. So you... And I'm not interested in it. I want to know what happens after that. So you put a foreign movie on. Yep. You sit down with is Lady Susie. No, I'll put watch on my own. I know you do. <laughs> And you're watching the foreign movie, no. and, and you, you're right, you're reading, you're caught up with it because it's a good story. Yes. yes. And the minute it starts to get a bit steamy, you go and make a cup of tea. Yes, I say to Brando, "This is not for us." <laughs> I put his big ears across his eyes so that he can't see what's going. I'm not interested what's in that. What's the best part. foreign movie? Well, I, I can't, I can't recall the, I can't recall all the names. But I will tell you who do make, which nationality make great films? Who? The Danes and a lot of the Scandinavian uh, countries. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't care. Great I films. They do. They do. But you know how how prophetic was it that I said to you? That, um, Why is the death of the sex scene? Why is there going to be a death the act- of the sex scene? Because the actors don't necessarily want to participate in those sex scenes. Because I think, I think, I, I don't want to go. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm a bit careful about what I say here. I well, don't be. I think some of the producers might have been, and the directors may have been just handy. Uh, yeah, and a little bit saucy, and a little bit thinking. Okay, well, you know, I'll just write this sex scene in the movie so that I can sit there, and watch this beautiful person. Um, derobe, and I think oh. that I think I think a lot of the female but, actors are awake to it all going but, on now too. But you wouldn't. It's gratuitous. You wouldn't watch it because you get up to make the cup of tea. With well, it. I'm not interested. No, but I'm seriously not interested in that part. L- a, l- yeah. a little bit. No, not one bit. And I'm not interested in you know people above the age of you know a certain age kissing in scenes and stuff <laughs> like that. We can do away with that too. What do you mean? I reckon there should be an age limit. Of what? The male and female Yes, c- the, pash, the pash age limit in movies. What, what's the pash limit? 40, 45. Has there been someone who's pashed recently that you that made you feel uncomfortable? Yes. Who? I can't. Oh, I, can't I, I don't want to go into the detail of Harrison that. Ford and Helen Mirren in 1923? Mm. Mm. Uncomfortable? Uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Mm. I'm not ageist in any way. I'm 60, nearly 62 myself, so it's not anything to do with that. It's just I think that um, there's a... Awakening to in these the, things uh, in movies now. Is the Pash still alive post sixty? The Pash, yes, of course, yeah. In the privacy of your own home, right. yeah. yeah. What's about you? Are a movie buff? What's the best movie you've ever seen? Number one, everyone should have the best movie. Bang straight away, best movie. Bang. Yeah, I've loved Braveheart. Best movie. Bang. Yeah, no, Shawshank Redemption. I've oh. always loved that film. Always loved that film. Andy Dupre. You and three hundred thousand yeah, other well, ex-AFL footballers. Yeah, but there's no, there's no, it's not a blockbuster. There's no special it's effects. A it's just a great story. Stephen King, great story. Really good story. In fact, I like a prison movie. I like a, I like a lot of prison movies. What's your other favourite? 
prison movie. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it, it. It's a great film about a guy that goes into... Papillon. No, well, that was a good film too, but a guy, it's a foreign film, so it's not in English, but he, uh, he goes into a French jail as a non-crim, effectively mis-imprisoned. Yeah. And then becomes a gangster in the in the Ooh, in the I prison. Like the sound of that. I know you would like the sound of it, but you wouldn't, wouldn't watch it. See, you wouldn't watch it because be it's fine. You'd have the title. So <laughs> we could follow through as our as our movie rep. You wouldn't be. I'll to... have it next week. All right, find it for that us. That was a question without notice. I wasn't ready. This has been the Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tire retailer. Keeping you safe on the roads. Tirepower.com.au Tune in to 1116 SEN each Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday from 6 to 9am to hear SEN Breakfast with Gary and Tim.